homeschool expert is here to equip you to homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this, and we are here to help. Visit homeschoolexpert.com for video and print resources. Helping you homeschool confidently is our host, Ann Crossman, and her guest expert for today's special broadcast. Hi, friend, and welcome to Homeschool Expert. I'm glad to have you join our conversation today with guest expert Kathy Duffy, the founder of KathyDuffyReviews.com, who's been a central curriculum resource for homeschoolers since 1984 and has been called by some the mother of all curriculum reviewers. Kathy has published multiple books on the topic, guiding families in their resource search for decades. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today to share your expertise about homeschooling curriculum. I'm really excited to have you here. I'm really glad to be here too, Anne. Thank you. So you have been a singular voice in the homeschool community for decades, helping families, you know, sift through the growing number of curriculum options to find products that are a good fit for their children's learning needs. And now, especially in light of this season that we're in, a lot of parents are looking to track down curriculum who might not have considered homeschooling before. So for families new to homeschooling, where would you suggest that they start? You know, Anne, I have so many families who are wanting to jump into homeschooling. Their first question is usually, well, what curriculum do I get? You know, just totally anxious about that. And it's that's not really the starting place. Mm. They need to find out their state law first, find out what their options are, how they can set themselves up, what they might be required to do in their state. And you can get that information at hslda.org. Uh, it's there for every state. That's the easiest place to find that information. And it helps for them to get in touch with local homeschoolers, too, because there are often nuances about what's going on in your state and how homeschooling is operating and what options are available locally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it helps to talk to people before you go out and start buying curriculum. Right. But once you've got that, you know, that in mind, what your options are, what you might do locally, you need to set goals for your own children, for your family of what you consider to be important. What does your child need to learn right now? Because you might have, a, a say, a fourth grader and they're struggling in math and you know they, they just don't have their times tables down and they're going to struggle even more if they don't do that. And so you're going to have a goal of getting them to master those multiplication tables before you mm-hmm. go on with other math. Mm-hmm. And you will know those particular things about your children. And you can use uh, placement tests. The different publishers have free placement tests too that will help you to determine some of these things where you've got some gaps. Yeah. But you need to set your own goals for your children. Don't just do, you know, it's not like in a classroom where they've got, you know, umpteen children and they're trying to teach them all the same things at the same time. With homeschooling, this is one of the beauties of homeschooling, that you can tailor what you're doing to exactly what your child needs. And don't waste time on things they already know right? and fill the gaps so that they're not struggling as you want to move on. Well, and I love that you pointed out, too, that, that the grade level is not always obvious with the placement tests, because even for... Even for families who've been homeschooling who are just changing curriculum, there can be such a disparity in math, for example, between grade three with this curriculum and grade three with that curriculum, let alone a student coming out of a private or public school setting into homeschooling. It's not always clear. Sometimes they need to be moved up a grade. Sometimes they need to repeat something just to really set that foundation. I'm sure you've seen that a lot over the years, um, especially in math. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. And sometimes parents often don't, they don't even have a clue where to start. And 
One other tool that I think is useful is the World Book Typical Course of Study. This is free online where mm-hmm. you can go through and you can see what is typically taught at grade levels. Again, it doesn't line up exactly with publishers, but it gives you a starting place if you're just wondering. And then you can start asking your children, do you know this? <laughs> you know, just <laughs> find out. You don't have to do a formal test sometimes to really identify what they do and don't know. So yeah. that's yeah. that's another helpful tool. That's great. We'll be sure and list that on our site. So we have a link on the site for homeschoolexpert.com that says links to experts. And we do have the HSLDA link up there for families who just heard you mention that. So that's easy to, to locate in case somebody's trying to scribble down notes while we're talking. And then um, we'll continue to add more resources as we go. So those are both great to mention, Kathy. Thank you. Uh, so some parents are looking then to educate at home for just a year to get through the season as a family, while others are looking to homeschool potentially for many years. So I recognize we've got both listeners here with us today. Should those parents address their curriculum search differently? Uh, and if so, how would you recommend they do that? Yeah, I, I think the year at a time is the way most parents feel with our, at this stage, just starting homeschooling. I was like that when we started way back when. Yep. I th- I'll do it for a year. And I had this idea in my mind that I'd put my children in school a year, I'd homeschool a year, in school for a year. Mm. <laughs> of course, that never okay. happened. Once yeah. we started homeschooling and I figured out what, we, you know, what it was all about and how wonderful it was, there was no going back. Mm. But um you don't know that when you're starting. You just don't know that. And a lot of parents I know, they want to keep their options open. So that's fine. Um, but, you know, this is probably the best time ever to start homeschooling because the schools are in such a mess right now that what they are able to accomplish is really questionable. Who knows, you know, if they're going to be in class or doing distance learning and how much children are going to actually learn. So the schools are going to be struggling to accomplish much of anything with the students this year, no matter what. Yeah. So, or even even said differently for parents who are afraid, oh, I'm going to wreck my child's education by homeschooling. You're saying chances <laughs> are no, because everybody's everybody's struggling right now. So the like the worst you can do is just to come out the same as everybody else, yeah. whereas the <laughs> so, best could be so much better. So why not try? Yeah. Yeah. This is perfect time to try because, yeah. you know, if you're going to put them back in in a year, you know, probably nothing, nothing ventured, nothing gained, you know, not much to lose. And, and usually that's not the case. Some people that get into it, you know, you know, you're, you just can accomplish so much more with homeschooling than you can imagine. Uh, it's so much more efficient. So, yeah, I would encourage parents in that sense. This is really a good time to try it without worrying about mm-hmm. keeping up with the, the schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And and we use the same model of one year at a time that you just mentioned. Even though I was homeschooled, knew I wanted to homeschool my kids early on, uh, my husband and I evaluated them every year to say what's best for this child and what's best for our family. And I wouldn't be surprised if of our four children, they enter school at different times because they need different things. And so we have to continue being flexible um, with evaluating them and ourselves as we go on. So then with all that in mind, Kathy, what advice do you have for parents who feel like they can't homeschool because they don't know enough about a particular subject like science or history or diagramming sentences, for example? (laughs) Oh, the resources available to homeschoolers are just unbelievable. They're there is something to walk you through just about any subject you'd want. So you can uh, find online classes, recorded classes, uh, you know, classes with live teachers, if you really want to go that route. Um, Or 
form form co-op classes with other people or sign mm-hmm. up for ones that are already in existence. Um, they're just um, umpteen ways of accomplishing things now where it does the work for you. Uh, even if you want to teach, there are programs that are scripted so you don't have to know the yes. subject. Um, yes. So, yeah, the, the, you know, the worry is not there that used to be. Okay. So, Kathy, this is a loaded question and one that homeschoolers may not yet realize the full weight of it asking, but I'll, I'll hand it out to you anyway. So how do you respond when parents ask, what is the best curriculum? <laughs> you people do ask that. I, I will not answer. I will not answer it <laughs> because <laughs> the answer is different for every child, for every yes. family. There is no best for everyone. Again, it goes back to what are your goals? What do you want to accomplish with this child? Uh, what method of conveying the information to your child works best? So, you know, that that's going to be different. And so, yes, there is no just best. You know, I tried to, when I wrote a book, 102 Top Picks was the last one where I tried to just narrow it down, mm-hmm. tried to, you know, identify the very best things out there. Um, but there's so many now uh, that I've, I've kind of moved away from that. Try- that's just way too limiting because there are thousands of products now. Right. So uh, I Which want is people extraordinary. to be able to look at the whole Consider- thing. Yeah. yeah, considering how many products we started with. Yeah. When my <laughs> yeah. mom was homeschooling in the 80s, she would go to the drugstore to buy little summer math books because right. she couldn't find anything else. So now we have yeah. all these options. Yeah, Which people don't know. There was a time when publishers wouldn't sell to homeschoolers, especially not teachers' guides or answer keys. Horrors, right. you know. It was, right. <laughs> I was interviewing a, a mom recently um, whose kids are now in their 40s who homeschooled all four of them. And she was saying it was almost like shopping on the black market just to get a math textbook because mm-hmm. it, it was, was almost illegal to, <laughs> to yeah. have them. Yeah, and uh-huh. It's a different time now. So then what are some of the positive changes that you're seeing now? Like if we look specifically at computer-based or even online curriculum, how is that different from what families may have experienced doing remote learning through their schools this past spring? I think, um, you know, online is just a piece of it. Uh, the homeschool world has developed a whole world of curriculum. Mm-hmm. That's so much better. Uh, it's so much more varied than what you can use in a regular school, because we have all these different learning situations. So uh, we just have this huge range of things. And, you know, some of them I've already mentioned. You know, with all the the different online classes or co ops or whatever else. Um, but even at the printed resources and the online resources, there are options that hold your hand for you and walk you through step by step. There are ones that just give you ideas and let you explore. Mm-hmm. There are things for the, you know, hands-on active learners and things for the ones who just like to sit and read books and do worksheets. You know, there's, right. there's something for everybody. So um, yeah, it's, it's just opened up the world. And I think a lot of people coming out of regular schools don't, can't even envision the possibilities. They're thinking of, school at home, which is what a lot of people have experienced over the last right. six months. Right. And they They're think that's what, the classroom relocated yeah. to the kitchen with a chalkboard hanging above the table or something. Yeah. Yeah. And sitting on the computer all day or something, you know, right. something more like what they've had. And it's, and that's not at all what most homeschoolers are doing. I mean, there are some who are doing something like that, but that's not the majority of people. Yeah, I would agree. It's been one of the conversations I find having, you know, repeatedly is, we aren't schooling with banker hours, Monday through Friday, nine to three, like traditional schools 
oftentimes have been. And especially for these online curriculums for parents worried about screen time exposure. Um, like my kids are signed up for two online academies this semester that they meet one hour once a week. And then right. they can dialogue with their their friends in class the rest of the week over email or what you what have you. But um, it's not a lot of screen time if that's a priority for me. And so there's a lot well, out there, right? Yeah. And that's important because it's homeschooling is more efficient in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, say, you know, you're doing a lot of people are doing these classes where they just meet up once a week, either in person or online, online, more likely at the moment. But uh, they get, you know, they get to interact in ways that matter, having the discussions, whatnot, you know, those kinds of things where you really benefit from the interaction. But then they go and work on their own, do their reading, you know, write papers, whatever they're doing on their own, and then meet up to do the things that are helpful. And so it's not like you're having to sit there with a group and move at the group's pace all the time. So children tend to get their work done much more quickly. Yeah. You don't spend all day doing homeschool. Typically, yeah. it's more like half a day. And Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so then for parents who are envisioning this next school year, whether they're bringing in curriculum from their district or they're homeschooling privately in the traditional model, a lot of parents are coming <laughs> new, new to homeschooling or saying, as long as I buy them the curriculum and hand them the laptop or the book, they're going to figure it out because there's teacher's curriculum and they're going to do it all on their own. Right. And that's a, and there, there seems to be this expectation that, well, if there's a teacher's manual, that's going to solve all my problems. <laughs> so how do you help parents who are new to homeschooling think about some of the extras in terms of developing that classroom environment at home or flexible learning structures, all those things that go into to learning that nobody really teaches you about homeschooling? Um, How do you like to speak to parents about those elements? I I think that's something you figure out as you go, because, again, it's different for every family. Some, you know, work at the kitchen table. Some uh, have the children working independently with their own, like, desk area that, you know, feels more like school. Um, You know, you just have to figure what works. Uh, I'll I'll give you the most (laughs) unusual example in my experience. My oldest son figured out that he did best with his math, doing it late at night up on his top bunk bed with a radio going, Hmm. um, which defies everything you would think. But he was a high energy kid. And so by the end of the day, he burned off a lot of the energy and he could concentrate. Mm. The Mm. music would block out other things that would distract him. And he was comfortable. (laughs) And and that worked for him. That was the best place for him to do his math. Yeah. One of my boys preferred three o'clock for math because he had used up most of his steam for the day. So yeah. That's not unusual. So then, so then taking all that into account, then how can parents take what they know about their students' learning preferences or personality types? Um, or, you know, are they an auditory, kinesthetic, visual, right? All those ways that we can learn. How do they take those as a guideline to help steer them towards adaptable curriculum? Because I realize there's no curriculum per se that's, this is for the dyslexics, right? And this is for the kinesthetics. And this is for the, yeah. it's not so much that, but, but a lot of curriculums can be adapted. So how do parents figure out which ones yeah. can be? Well, those factors can be important for some students. You know, a lot of the kids are really more adaptable and they can kind of flow with what you're doing, but some really need auditory input or, you know, hands-on learning, the kinesthetic learner. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I deal with that in my reviews and on the website. We've got an advanced search tool on there also. Um, I probably should back up another step because I've, I've got a book. Uh, it's a PDF book, uh, How to Choose Homeschool Curriculum. Yeah, let's talk about those for a bit. That'd be good. Yeah. In the first part of the book, I talk about, you know, just the steps to go through, you know, setting your goals, 
uh, looking at the different approaches to education. You know, there's a whole other vocabulary out there in mm-hmm. the school world for classical education and Charlotte Mason and unschooling, you know, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, all of those. So I talk about those and help with a questionnaire, help parents kind of sort out what's likely to appeal to them. Not that they're going to choose just exclusively one, but what do you lean towards? Mm-hmm. And then I talk about learning styles, which goes into um, not just the modalities of auditory, kinesthetic, and visual, but you know more into personality types. You know, the um, the wiggly willy child. You know, I use wiggly willy, competent Carl, sociable <laughs> Sue, and perfect okay. Paul. And you know, just you know, it's more along the lines for those familiar with Myers Briggs. It's more along that line. Mm-hmm. But um, so the, the wiggly willy, the child who you know really hands-on, doesn't sit still, doesn't work well in traditional school workbooks, you know, that sort of mode. Yeah. Um, and, you know, once you identify those traits, then you can enter the different facets of that in the advanced search tool on my website. And this is all free. Uh, you, can, you pay for the book. It's not very expensive at all. But the advanced search tool on the website allows you to choose all of these different factors if you want auditory input or, you know, computerized curriculum or, you know, different things, Mm -hmm. uh, hands-on. You can choose those different aspects of it. So you can tailor the recommendations you get to fit your situation. Mm -hmm. You can choose religious preference. You can, um, you can narrow down, you know, the different types of approaches in there, uh, lots of ways. Okay. So that helps kind of dig down because those, you know, it, I knew a new homeschooler, you start thinking about, oh, no, I have to learn all of this stuff before I can homeschool. And you don't really, but it helps to try to get a handle on some of it. So you're making better choices when you first start instead right. of just grabbing what somebody else says is they like. Right. And I find it's hard for parents, especially in the beginning, as they get to know a couple homeschoolers, especially if they're all from one co-op. There might be, you know, one batch of Kool-Aid that everybody drank and they all like this one brand and that brand may not work for your family setup. And so how helpful it is then to be able to find, are there a lot of different homeschoolers or speak to speak to, or do a lot of research online for some families, that time aspect is just not even practical. Uh, You know, we realize that there are families with dual parent incomes trying to manage through COVID homeschooling. And so that's why we've created um, like what Kathy Duffy is offering through her curriculum uh, research uh, resources as well as homeschoolexpert.com just saying please let us help you (laughs) please don't reinvent this wheel it took so long to get here um we want to help so that's such an excellent resource kathy thank you for offering that and making it available for free we'll definitely be directing the uh, readers to that on our links to expert sites going forward as well so let me then dive into a really big topic which is the three r's of math reading and writing which are these three core subjects um, that parents often start with when they're searching for a curriculum because there's just we understand that's really a big part of the base. What sort of general principles or variables should they even consider to help them explore possibilities and then narrow down their search, especially families with multiple ages of students? Well, the, I think the ages is, is you know something to think about right up front. Um, when you have younger children, you mm-hmm. need to recognize that your priorities are different than when you have an older child, a kindergartner, a first grader. You really want to be concentrating heavily on reading skills and math, mm-hmm. you know, just the basics. Uh, history and science, those are extras at this time. You don't, you know, don't worry about it. If you get to it, fine. If not, 
You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, later on, that shifts. Uh, once a child is reading independently, then you're not going to spend as much time on that. They can do independent reading. You don't need to waste time doing reading programs once they're reading independently. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you know, just work on literature, work on composition skills. Uh, you wouldn't be worrying about composition skills with a kindergartner hardly at all. Yep. But that'll be important with your fifth and sixth grader, and even more so when you hit high school. Um, so you need to be looking at the stage they're at and what they need. And it's important to not think that you have to do everything in one year. I, oh, yeah. I see parents who just pile it on. Well, you know, we have to do every day, everything. Too, right? Yeah. Yes. And there are other years, other times, and better not to burn your children out by overdoing it. That's wise. Yeah. To yeah. even use that block scheduling method that's now common practice in the traditional schools, right? Of saying, for this quarter, we're going to really dive deep into science, and the other three, we'll just review <laughs> while we do yeah. other subjects. Yeah. Well, there's lots, yeah, lots of ways to do this, but set your priorities. What mm-hmm. is it that is most important to us to get through this year? And what does my children really need? What do, what do they really need? And what are the extras so that, you know, you know, if somebody gets sick or, you know, something happens, things happen. That's just reality. What can we let slide without freaking over it? You just need to think about that in advance. Yeah. And and when I became, yeah. And when I became a public educator, um, like I can validate this point you've just made about the early elementary years, not focusing on science and history that much, because I can imagine the gasp in a parent's mind hearing us say that. What do you mean we're not studying science in third grade? It's like, well, if you actually go back to state standards for your state, there aren't a lot of requirements in early elementary years for subjects outside of math and reading that even the state focuses on those core concepts. And so that's why homeschoolers can pedal it back just a little bit as well, because they're actually paralleling what's happening a lot of times um, in their local school districts, right? Right. Um, And, you know, and if you want to look at what's going on in the local schools, history is hardly getting any coverage at all in schools these days. Very hard Because it's not being tested. And I I see homeschoolers are typically doing far more in history than Mm -hmm. is happening in the schools. Yeah, especially um, this know, year. As, yeah, go ahead. Well, that raises, you know, another issue that comes up. If you've got an older child, say, you know, fifth, sixth grader, and you're just starting to homeschool, it's an important question to look at. Have they ever been exposed to world history or United States history? If or not, a broader, or a broader perspective of United States history. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's, there have been some negative reviews, unfortunately, of, of homeschool curriculum companies recently coming out saying, well, it's just, this is just the white man's perspective. It's like, well... <laughs> You know, frankly, if you go into the school systems, you're going to find a lot of those same textbooks because all of our textbooks could use a revamping in this area and considering other people's, you know, perspectives and where they walked and life in their footsteps. And so uh, at least for our family, we've chosen to supplement. Right? We just, yeah, whatever, I, I, just grab extra resources and pile those in and layer them in where they need to go. Yeah, that's an interesting topic. So I've just been reviewing a curriculum that is a new curriculum that's trying to balance it, but they've overbalanced the other direction. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. that's what I'm afraid is going to happen, that we're going to end up with a lot of new resources that are overbalanced, the, you know, just the other direction where, you know, there's America can do nothing right. And yes. it's all an evil, you know, <laughs> evil place. And I don't want my children growing up with that, you know, that no. in mind. Yeah, we want to see the full picture. And hear all the stories and make have our kids analyze them for themselves, right? That's part of the beauty of homeschooling is being able to say, here are all these different perspectives. How can they possibly all be right? 
well, let's talk about how you and your brother fight over a Lego piece and whose perspective is really right in that conversation. How do we think about this on a global level? And I, it, that's been one of the exciting points for our family to, to bring them into these bigger conversations and have them learn to think for themselves. Yeah. Um, so for families worried about what they see or don't see that they want in their textbooks to encourage them, yeah, you absolutely can customize and layer things in. And don't, this is where the beauty of you being the teacher comes in. Um, we and, don't have to rely on the curriculum. Go ahead. Well, and even it's probably great to not rely on the curriculum totally. I think some of yeah. our best learning opportunities happened around the breakfast table. We would mm-hmm. always have the newspaper. <laughs> I would still get a newspaper. Um, we do too. We it, love it. It was yeah. great to read articles together and talk about them, especially as the kids got older. But mm-hmm. bring in current events, what's going on, and talk about it, you know, and weigh the different attitudes, you know, read letters to the editor and, and you know, decide, you know, is this valid or not? Do they have a good point? You know, great, yes. great learning opportunities there. So then, and, and so let's like piggyback on that one with world events, because it's oftentimes a conversation we're able to engage in more fully with our older students or high school students. So for parents who are looking to educate their high school student at home right now, how can they address that curriculum search differently from maybe a parent who's educating an elementary student right now? So, you know, what should they keep in mind, essentially, as we're looking at the plethora of options and before them? Yeah, that's a good question, because high school is a different thing because students are acquiring credits that are required for graduation and for college entry. Mm-hmm. So... This is different. You don't need to keep track of that at the elementary grade up through eighth grade. But starting with ninth grade, you do. And so it's important for parents to be organized, to know what credits will be required for high school, for graduation as far as their state is concerned. Uh, If they're working under a program, maybe that program has certain credits that are required. And probably in my mind, even more important is for the what comes next if they are heading to college or university, what will be required for that? Mm-hmm. And you need to be thinking about that at ninth grade level, not yes. you know, 11th grade. Yes. So that you're planning ahead. Uh, and, and I know that's daunting, uh, but that's the reality that you, know, you really do need to do that. It all is not uh, lost if you, you know, lose it, you know, lose some of those, you know, you don't plan it far enough ahead and you you know you haven't got everything in hand because you right. can make things up at junior colleges and other ways you know fill the gaps there are ways to remedy that but it can throw you off stride in what you might have in mind yeah and even though it sounds daunting like you're saying to to look into it your freshman year of high school we're talking baby steps too at this point um, as far as I understand it, I just got done finishing up some research with deans and directors of notable universities. And we have a whole chapter in the upcoming book about the university perspective of homeschoolers over the last 30 to 40 years and how homeschoolers can apply now to colleges and build that resume. And their recommendations were, were really simple in the beginning. It was something as straightforward as reach out to a couple of the admissions officers at the colleges you're considering and just begin a conversation as a freshman with your parents nearby and ask them, what curriculum do you recognize that I could potentially pursue that would make sense on a transcript? And that was the full extent of the freshman year baby step. And so depending on the university, it can change. Um, What else have you seen that freshmen in high school need to do specifically, Kathy? Is there something beyond that? Um, Well, I think 
asking them for recommendations. They don't even know what's available to homeschoolers. And so I'm I'm hesitant to say, let them tell you what curricula. But that might be if you are looking for a particular university or uh, NCAA, you know, the sports, you know, Mm -hmm. they have very stringent requirements if you're looking for sports scholarships and that sort of thing. Then you have to be using approved courses. But for most homeschoolers, you've got a lot more freedom Yes. In that you just need to teach U.S. history or, you know, a government course, an economics course, that sort of thing. And you can generally use whatever you choose. Yes. Um, we even, yeah, we even jumped off and I created my own worldview-based course where we used history as our organizing theme. And then we studied all the other subjects in relation to it. So even our, our science, uh, uh, we studied economics and politics and literature and you know all of these other subject areas art and architecture mm, in regard in line with worldview that's so very integrated and it, but we could still break it down we were covering what needed to be covered for the subject areas and beyond that obviously we went far beyond in a lot of areas uh, but we had a lot more fun doing that oh and yeah so I don't want people to think they just have to limit themselves to traditional looking curricula because they're doing high school. Yeah, exactly. And that's not what I'm suggesting either. It's more so for parents who might be concerned with a particular university saying, gosh, if I really want to get my kid into Princeton and Princeton says, well, we only recognize like we know what these six curricula companies are. And if you choose something outside of that, fine. But the burden is going to be on you then to prove what you've learned by using a curriculum we know nothing about. So you're correct. Parents still have that freedom of choice. They just have to recognize that it uh, may require some more, you know, detective work on their side to make it work. So that's all great. And it's probably good to mention, you know, the whole college thing is up in the air too with COVID really uh, changed what's going on with colleges. I think the whole college thing is going to be very different five years from now than it has been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, or maybe I, even sooner, maybe not even five years down the road. Um, well, even this coming year. So, so yeah. a couple of the deans we spoke to at, at UNC and Duke and WashU were telling us that um, what they've learned from homeschooled applicants over the last twenty years is actually informing their decision for how they are considering taking applications from all students in the coming year because they've had to use such creative methods to evaluate homeschooled students. They're now looking at all these thousands of students who have no specific genuine transcripts as they've known them in the past. Yeah. Like, yeah. How can we apply what we've learned over in this segment to the entire population? So it's, it's probably going to happen sooner than we realize. It's, it is, it's going to be fascinating and everybody's going to be flexible. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and I think homeschoolers need to know that colleges are very open to homeschoolers. Yes. Homeschoolers yeah. have generally done very well. Some colleges particularly recruit homeschoolers. Mm-hmm. It's true. So. It's very favorite we looked at. So, so then let's jump into another part of the curriculum question, especially for families who are struggling to, to manage budgets in this difficult season. Where can they go to find free or really affordable curriculum that's still going to cover the basic needs for their children? You know, there are some great things online that are free. Uh, there are a lot of PDF-delivered uh, resources that are very inexpensive too, but I'm thinking you could t- teach beginning reading with free resources that do a great job. Um, a couple of examples: uh, primary concepts, free phonics. Mm. Uh, will you know teach all the beginning reading? Starfall, 
reading resources, another free one. They do have, you know, a paid component, but you can get everything you need to teach beginning reading. It's even got some animated games and little videos for instruction with songs. Oh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> free. <laughs> and, um, yeah, there, there's another, there's a book teaching a preschooler to read this, not just for teaching preschoolers. Um, you know, all of these are really solid phonics resources for teaching to read. It don't cost you anything. So, mm. um, that's, you know, one thing, uh, the good and the beautiful is a publisher. Uh, they have a free language arts program for grades one through five. They charge for other levels, but grades one through five. And these rival anything else that's out there for quality, really nicely done material. Hmm. Uh, people know about Khan Academy for math, but I think there are others that are um, even better for homeschoolers. Uh, CK 12, interactive math for grades six through 12, has really high quality online math programs for mm -hmm. free. Yeah. And Master Math, another one for... Uh, the middle school, six, six through eight, grade six through eight, and for algebra, another free uh, program, very well done, uh, presented online. Mm. Uh, and then when I when I discovered a free uh, drill resource, <laughs> I have a, I have a granddaughter who's struggling with math facts, and so I found this one, Academics online oh, uh, for math fact practice. It's great. She liked it so much. She was just choosing her own games and going off and practicing them. And then she was teaching her younger sister how to do some of them too. <laughs> That's just great. Really took off with it. And there, again, so many of these things are free. Um, there are even some complete programs uh, that are not just doing one subject area, not as many. Uh, and more of those are Christian oriented. Uh, Easy peasy is one of the most popular. Uh, everything's on there for free. We just guide you through um, your curriculum and, Ambleside Online, uh, a Charlotte Mason approach that's so more book-based, using real books alongside your curriculum. Um, Discovery K-12 is kind of a mixed bag. It's, it's not uh, religious. It's, very, it's secular. It's online, but I find it a little bit problematic for the younger grades. But there's a lot of useful information there if you use it with discernment, and especially mm -hmm. getting up into fourth, fifth grade, then it starts to become more useful. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, lots of options out there. Uh, free unit excellent. studies out there, too. <laughs> so, yeah, I could go on. Anyways, well, no, those are great. So if parents want more information, though, about that, is there a link on your site or a chapter in your book? Or where can they find? Uh, I don't want them to email. <laughs> <laughs> no, but maybe I'll, I can send you, um, I'll send you some links if you've got somewhere to list them. I do. Yeah, that'd okay. be great. Let that me just do wonderful. that. I promise okay. not to give your email out so they don't track you down. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. So parents listening, we will put together um, some more resources for you. So you have that. Yeah, as can, compliments of Kathy Duffy. So, um, yeah, I yeah. can see people madly trying to write things down. No, um, yeah, no but those sound great. The unit studies would love to get those in as well, because I know that's helpful for families trying to bridge multiple ages at once. Um, spending, reading one book to three kids instead of three books to three kids, which can be a nice time saver. So that's super helpful. Thank you. So then how have you seen curriculum offerings change since 1984? You've really seen um, a great deal happen in the homeschooling movement. And what sorts of, sorts of resources are available now that more experienced homeschoolers may not even know exist because so much new stuff is coming up all the time? Yeah, I can't even keep up with it myself. But, I, you know, I don't think it's... Uh 
the, the innovations, you know, are more just refinements of what's going on with uh, this blended uh, opportunities, you know, on, with online and offline curriculum. Um, Discovery K-12, actually, it's one of the things I like about them because they have online components. You're doing internet research and things, although you need to supervise it. But then the students are doing writing offline. They're not doing everything online. Oh, that's and, great. Um, yeah, because you don't, I don't want, I don't, some parents might, but I don't want, you know, all of the time being done online. And so more and more of these resources um, are doing a, a nice blend of on, online and offline resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think for families too, uh, some of these resources that help you do things, they help you teach your children together. I think this is, again, one of those benefits of homeschooling where you can combine your children if they're not too far apart for history, for science, for the arts. Uh, you want to keep them on their grade level probably for math and for most, most of language arts because those need to be taught sequentially. But for those other subjects, if you can bring your children together, you know, and be reading books together, talking about them and doing activities, you know, just, you know, differentiating some of the activities to fit what each child needs. But being on the same page saves you a lot of time and energy in preparing and presenting whatever's going on. And money. Yeah. Yeah. Because then I'm buying one unit on cellular biology to teach to my sixth and fifth grader and my second grader sitting there. And if she can just point out the Golgi apparatus when we're done, I am thrilled. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She can color a coloring page of those things. Cytoplasm and the nucleus and we're fine. But um, then the older kids, I buy it for them and, and the others just come along for the ride. And then they're exposed to more than they would have been had I bought them the actual second grade science. And that's, that's a good point that it often works well to teach to the older ones and let the younger ones absorb because they absorb a lot. It's amazing. Uh, They want to be like their older brothers and sisters, usually, even if they won't acknowledge it. And uh, so they will often absorb a lot more than you think they will. Well, and you'll find out when they start using vocabulary words that you know <laughs> teach them. Like my toddler started running around saying, it's unanimous. And I said, what does that mean? It's unanimous. I was like, she picked it up somewhere. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. What it means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you sit and read, uh, read aloud good books with your children too, their vocabularies expand tremendously. Yes. You can read, you know, slightly above their level and explain if you need to, but they'll pick it up. And, uh, you know, intuit the meanings oftentimes of the words, yes. they hear them in stories. And That's it's right. amazing what happens. Yeah, she knew unanimous was a powerful word, right? She was using it with excitement. So she had somehow figured that out. Of course, she had no idea about the collective voting of all. But, <laughs> right? So they can pick up so much. That's great. So you referenced this earlier, Kathy. So I want to uh, swing back to it. So for families who are coming from a faith perspective that may be different from yours or mine or, or what they're seeing in the norm of the homeschool movement, how can they best make use of your resource? And are there other resources that you might also recommend to them as they look through curriculum options? Well, I on my website, I identify, I've got an instant key where I identify if, you know, there's a religious perspective to a program, you know, I'm mm-hmm. usually more secular or uh, Christian or, you know, if it's distinctly Protestant or distinctly Catholic, you know, yes. you can see that. Um, uh, if I, you know, if I don't put anything, it's pretty neutral. I think yeah. I sometimes have neutral on some things, but um, nothing's rare, rarely is anything truly neutral. Um, and, and with some of the secular curriculum, it's getting far less neutral. I need another mm-hmm. category that's, um, I, I don't know, 
anyways, we'll, I'll sort that one out down the road. But yes, I identify things. <laughs> yeah. And again, the advanced search tool, you can choose religious perspective on there. Okay. Uh, so sort down to what fits where you're coming from. Yeah. And, but even then some of, um, I'd be curious about your experience because I know with ours, for example, we've used, um, at one point we used sunlight and a lot of the resources they develop into a curriculum are actually just classic literature. So the teacher notes will have very specific faith-based directions, but a lot of the books were just standard books like hatchet and the bears on hemlock mountain or something that anybody in any school would read. And so parents shouldn't be allergic to the fact that they see faith-based on your site. It doesn't necessarily mean they can't use it. It just means they should dig deeper, right? And I've seen over time that a lot of the faith-based resources have, I don't know if watered down is too strong a word, but reduce the religious content in their curricula. Um, Some of that, you know, some have wanted to be able to be purchased by government funded schools and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But um, sunlight, they've, they've got a lot of things that have very little faith content, but they also have a spinoff company, Bookshark, which mm-hmm. is the same idea, same, you know, a sister company, but with purposely no religious content. So uh, you've got choices like that. You like mm-hmm. something, you know, then there's, you know, often a, a secular option is similar. Yeah. And hopefully they can find more about that on kathyduckyreviews.com where you've got all those great, great links. Um, So then Kathy, what final thoughts do you have for our friend listening today who might be new to this idea of homeschooling, perhaps even a hesitant homeschooler or someone who's been doing it a few years and just looking to get better at it? Um, What what advice or encouragement can you give? I'm thinking of the new homeschooler particularly because Mm -hmm. I know the stress, the worry, you know, I'm going to ruin my child if I don't do this right. Uh, And I I think that's just so, so rare that you mess up very badly. You know, it's just, it's pretty hard to do that. If you pay attention to your children, you spend time getting to know them, getting to understand how they learn best. Uh, You're not, you're not likely to go far wrong. Mm. And you'll learn more. Think about, you know, your first year or two as, you know, your training ground, time to figure out what works for you and what works for your children. Although although the caveat from that is, you know, what works this year might not work next year. Yes. (laughs) But it does give you, you know, a better idea of how to approach things. You know, if you've you've got a hands-on learner and they're trying to learn a new math concept, then you probably want to try to use a hands-on math program with them. Mm-hmm. You know, just um, make it easier for them to grasp new concepts. So you figure things like that out this first year. If you're struggling with something, you know, you can adapt and try to add to it to a certain point. But if you, you know, you're in tears and you're, you know, it's just not working, toss it. No matter what you paid for it, That's and get something eBay. else. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, That's so just great. the reality. Goes Every, back you to know, the one year at a time principle you were sort of sharing earlier. Yeah, too, right? yeah, and, and don't be afraid to try something new if if it's just not working for you. Try something new, and don't be afraid to do something unusual, even if it's you've never heard of it before. You know, it may just be the answer for you. And even if no one in your co-op has heard of it before, yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> get out there and try it. And that's and that's one of the things that I missed when I taught in the public school system was I saw students who needed something different than what I could give them, but because I had twenty nine others, I didn't have the freedom to do this complete detour for that one 
student as much as I would have loved to. So uh, it's not that school teachers aren't doing this. It's just in the home, we see it so much more quickly because we just have one in that grade level to adapt to. So Kathy, that is so encouraging. Thank you so much for making time to be with us today. It was a privilege to have you on the show and to have you as a guest expert here. I really appreciate you making the time. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been fun. No, very good. And thank you, friend, especially for joining us today. I hope you've been encouraged by our conversation and equipped to go out and find more resources in an easier way. I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for joining Ann Crossman on our podcast, helping you homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this, and we are here to help. We invite you to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date on the latest resources. See you next time.